0: And welcome back to the third lecture of Maturing the Bride. We are making a supposition and that is this, God is looking for a bride for his son. But he doesn't just want any bride, God is looking for a mature bride for his son. In our first two lectures we've been trying to say that together as the bride of Christ we shall rule and reign with Christ over the universe. One of the verses we pulled that from is from Revelation chapter 3, verse 21, where Christ says, The one who conquers, I will grant him to sit with me on my throne as I also conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. Sitting down on a throne. What's that about, sitting down on a throne? What do you do from a throne? You rule and you reign. As we saw in the last lecture, a throne has three things. Number one, someone's in charge. Number two, there are people to govern. And number three, there is property to govern. That's what God wants for you, wants for me in all of eternity future. Our goal is to mature as a believer to mature as a believer. I'm trying to also challenge you that much of the church today in the United States and around the world is so focused on just getting people to pray a prayer, they forget about discipling them. They forget about maturing them. They forget about trying to make them like Christ. But this Revelation 3.21, to sit with him on his throne, is God just making this up? Is he kind of like Indiana Jones making this up as he goes along? If you've never watched the movie Indiana Jones, there's a scene where this gentleman here in the picture has a man coming at him with brandishing knives. He's going to try to slice him up. And all Indiana Jones does is pull out his gun and shoot the guy. I mean, it wasn't even a contest. And then he says, I'm just making this up as I go along. Is that God? Is that what God is doing? Is he making this up as he goes along? Did he get halfway through the Old Testament and say, you know what? Let's, let's uh, this bride and uh, groom thing, let, let's do this with Jesus. Let's get Jesus a bride and let's have them rule and reign forever in eternity future. Is that what's happening? I want to suggest No. That is not happening. There are three places we're going to look at in this lecture, three places in God's Word to show this was a dream of God from the very beginning. We're going to look in the very beginning of the Bible, we're going to look at the very end of the Bible, and then we're going to look at the middle of the Bible. Let's start in the very beginning. Let's start in the very beginning of the Bible to show that this was not made up from God in the middle of the Old Testament or halfway through the New Testament. In Genesis 1, verse 27, we read these words. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. In his own image, in the image of God. Here in the very beginning of the Bible is this phrase, the image of God. Now when this phrase was used, it had connotations all over in various cultures. Why? Because kings were in the image of God. What you're looking at here is uh, Lamassu. Lamasu. it is a very large, I don't know if you can see down there at the very bottom, that's where the ropes are to help you to keep from not walking too close to it and not touching it. Look how small they are. It is a huge statue. And the statue has the body of an ox. It has the wings of a bird. It has the head of a man. And it was to represent a king in Iraq. So the king in Iraq had this statue made up of him, and it was huge. And they were the physical representation of the king who was representing God. This Lamassu was the physical representation of the king who represented God, who was God in their terms. And they were put at the entrance to temples and the entrance to cities, and you would walk into the city and you would look up, walking toward the city, look up and see this huge statue of this Lamassu, and you were to be in fear of that statue because it was so big. You were to be in fear of that king, in fear of that god. This king slash god, this king god, he defined what was right and wrong. He created. He destroyed, and he ruled, and he governed. This lamasu in the original Hebrew is the Hebrew word tesalem. Don't know if I'm saying it right. I'm not a Hebrew scholar. That's the way it spells in Hebrew. But in translating it, modern-day translations would translate it as an idol or an image. An idol or an image. They made images of themselves. That's what the kings did back in the Old Testament days. They made images of themselves, portraying themselves as God. They called themselves the image of God. The image of God. So this particular image right here is the king of Iraq and he assumed that he was God. He made an image of himself, an image of God. Now, God's ruled, God's governed, God's reign. They rule, they govern, they reign, and that's what a king does. A king says, I conquer, I rule, I reign. So in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, when the writing was taking place, in the beginning we read these words, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God created? Kings do that? Oh, yeah. God is a king. In fact, he is the king of kings. He created the heavens. He created the earth. He was the one who created all things. Verse 11, then God said, let the land produce vegetation, seed bearing plants, and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in it according to their various kinds. So God created the trees. He created the shrubs. He created the plants, the grass. All that was on the earth. It goes on. So God created the great creatures of the sea and every living thing with which the waters team that moves about it. He created the tiny little fish all the way to the great whale. God, the creator, created all the living things in the waters with which the waters team. It goes on. And God said, let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds, the livestock, the creatures that move along the ground, and the wild animals, each according to its kind. So God created the butterfly. He created the tiger. He created the zebra. He created the panda. He created the deer. God created. That's what kings did. They made things from scratch. God created totally from scratch the animals of the world. And finally it said these words. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. Old Testament people would have known, in our image, in our, that means like the image of God. That means like the image of the king. That means God himself. We are made, humanity is made in God's image. We are to rule, to reign, to govern to say what's right, to say what's wrong. We are in the image of God? Yeah. This was brand new. This was something that was not seen in literature back in those days. Are we supposed to be like kings? Are we supposed to be conquering, ruling, reigning? Well, in one sense, yes. God said, let us make man in our image and in our likeness so that they may rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air, over the livestock and over the wild animals and over the creatures that move along the ground. That they may rule, govern? Yes! We're to govern over nature. We're supposed to take care of nature. We're supposed to be watching how things grow and taking care of them. Men and women, this was radical revelation in the Old Testament. It was something brand new. You see, in mythology, God created people to serve them. Not to rule, but to be servants. Not ruling servants, but servants that serve. That's what mythology offered. But God came along and says, no, 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 you're in my image. I rule, I reign, I want you to rule, I want you to reign. We don't serve the gods, we're in his image. He wants us to rule and reign with him. Genesis 1, 28, subdue it, rule over the fish in the sea. Subdue the earth and rule. Subdue means to subject, subdue, force, keep under, bring into bondage. To bring into bondage, make subservient to subdue, force, violate to subdue, dominate, tread down to subdue, to bring into bondage. Men and women, this is what kings do. This is this is terminology for kings. To rule means to have dominion, dominate, tread down, to have dominion, rule, subjugate, to cause to dominate. This also is royal language. It's language only for royalty, only for kings. It's only things that kings do. And God says, no, you, humanity, you're in my image. It's what I want you to do. Why? I'm preparing you for eternity future. I'm preparing you for eternity future. I have a game plan for all of eternity future. I want you to rule and reign with me. Therefore, let's just try it out here on this earth. Let's just try it. Just rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air. Men and women, people aren't to make images of God because God has already made images of himself. And that's us. That's us were created in the image of God, were created in His image to rule and to reign like Him. He says, let's give it 80 years of trial period down there on the earth to prepare you for what I have for you for all of eternity future. C.S. Lewis writes about this and as he writes about this, I'm paraphrasing him, but he says these words as if being on a subway in the underground. If you knew the plans God has for the person sitting next to you in the subway, you would be tempted to get down on your knees and worship that person. Oh, he understood. He understood eternity, future, the idea of ruling and reigning forever. And he said if you knew what it was, if you knew what it was for you, if you knew what it was for the person next to you, you'd be tempted to bow down to that person. Their royalty. Our goal is to be image bearers of God to others. We're to be image bearer of God to others. We're to make God famous to others. That's our job, to be image bearers. Not only to rule and to reign and to govern, but to make God look good, to be like one of those statues in four dimensional form showing people what love is, showing them what life is, being kind, showing justice, showing mercy. To rule, to reign. Does that mean that we're going to rule and reign over each other? No. No, we are all created equally in the image of God. Ruling and reigning over each other was never God's plan. That's not in the agenda. We are created equally in the image of God. Remember, this took place in the context of the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve were in the Garden of Eden. They were there, the fruit, the trees, the plants, the flowers were all to satisfy them, to be able to pick fruit to eat it and to be satisfied. But because of the sin and the curse, it will satisfy them, but now they got to work for it. It's going to be a whole lot harder. It's that third curse that there is, but it's in the context of a garden. What was God basically trying to communicate? Hey, I want you to plant crops. I want you to plant corn. I want you to plant green pepper. I want you to plant zucchini. I want you to plant watermelons and onions. I want you to grow plants to feed. And I want you to have families. I want you to have kids. I want you to love them. I want the families to grow and for them to have families and for their grandchildren to have families and their their grandchildren and their grandchildren to have families. I want you to grow into families. And while you do that, I want you to create communities. Communities where you can love one another. Communities where you can image myself to others. Communities where you can grow together. And as you do that, I want you to develop culture. I want you to develop style. I want you to develop dance. I want you to develop song. I want you to develop culture to reflect your unique group of people. That's what God wanted. God is saying, this is how I want you to subdue and to rule. Why? Why does God want us to subdue and rule? To prepare us to rule and reign with him forever in eternity future over the universe. Men and women, our assignment here on this earth is a mirrored reflection of what God has for us for all of eternity future, and we find it in the very first commandment. In Genesis chapter 1, we see the seeds of what God planted in having us be in his image and having us rule and reign with him. Incredible God. So we've looked at the very first one. I said there were going to be three. We've looked at the very first. We're created in the image of God. We're in the image of God, which clearly is showing God is not like Indiana Jones. He's not making this up as he goes along. So we said three places in God's word. We've looked at the first. Let's look at the second one at the very end of the Bible. Let's try to see what that one is about. Revelation chapter five, verse 10. You have made them to be kingdoms and priests to serve our God, and they shall reign on the earth. They shall reign on the earth, reigning on the earth. Hey, this is royal language. This is something only that kings do. Only kings rule on the earth. God says, yeah, I know. I'm going to make you like kings. I'm going to have you rule over the earth, reign on the earth. Revelation 2:28. We've already looked at it. We'll look at it again. To the one who is victorious and does my will to the end, I will give authority over nations. More royal language. You're going to be ruling and governing over nations. Revelation 3:21. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne just as I was victorious and sat down with my father on his throne. They'll give you the right to sit with me on my throne. Only kings do this. Men and women, hear this and hear it well. You are of royal descent. You are of royal descent. This is what God has for you. This is what you're made of. This is what you come from. This is your lineage. You're of royal descent no wonder John was blowing us away when he wrote these words. See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. See what a great love God has that we get to be called children of the king. Children of God. Children of the king of kings. We're princes. We're princesses. That's who we are. You are a child of a king. Own it in your soul, in your heart. God has given you a tremendous privilege to be his image bearer, to be the child of a king, to be of royalty with plans to rule and reign forever. What a God who thought this up. Well, we said there were going to be three places in God's Word. Let's look at the third place. The third place that God has, and that's found in the book of Matthew. In Matthew chapter 25, verse 34, let me give you the context. This is Judgment Day. And as it's Judgment Day, he is separating the sheep from the goats. And as he is separating the sheep from the goats based on their works, we read these words. Matthew chapter 25, verse 34. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Now look at those first words in red. Inherit the kingdom. A a literal kingdom? That's what the text says. Inherit. You know, like co-inherit. Co-inherit, you know, like we studied in our second time together. Co-inherit, we're going to be co-heirs with Christ. Inherit the kingdom. We're going to get a kingdom? That's what kings do. They rule over kingdoms, yeah. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you. For me? Yes, this is our God. He has got a kingdom prepared just for you. Prepared for your likes, prepared for your wants, prepared for your giftings. If you recall, my wife who likes hospitality, she's gonna be running some kind of a hospitality for all of eternity, because that's what she's best at. Now, here are the key words from the foundation of the world. From the foundation of the world. What does that mean? Men and women, as we looked at in our last time, just as there was an eternity future, I want to challenge you, there is also an eternity past. In other words, before he put the first electron together, before he put the first angel together, before the first spirit, before the first anything, on the left side of that globe, there was an eternity in the past. An eternity past. God never had a birth date. God never began. He always was. For eternity past, he's always existed. I know that's hard to grasp. I know that's hard to think about it. Don't try to meditate on it. It's mind boggling. But God has always existed in eternity past. And in that eternity past, there were no angels, there were no demons, there was no humanity, there was no earth, there was no creation. All there was was God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. A perfect trinity that existed in eternity past. That's all there was. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And if you've caught what I'm trying to tell you, love loves to love, love loves to love. God the Father loved God the Son. God the Son loved the Spirit. The Spirit loved the Son. The Spirit loved the Father. The Son loved the Father. The Son loved the Spirit. It was a perfect love that was growing so much that it spilled out. And God said, I'm going to create creatures that I can love. Creatures that I can have relationship. Creatures that I can have intimacy with. Like a husband to his wife. Like a bride to his groom. I know we'll create a bride for Christ. I've just touched on it. We're going to get much deeper into it in the series why. Keep hanging in there. It's in book form. It's in audio form. uh, But it's also going to be here in teaching form. But I'm trying to tell you that in eternity past, God had a plan. God dreamed this up in eternity past. God had a dream in eternity past. And in that dream, he said, I want a bride for my son. I want to create a creation that we can love on, that we can be intimate with, that we can be one together. And together with my son, they shall rule and reign over the universe. They shall rule and reign over the universe. And remember, God wants a mature bride. Your goal is to mature as a believer. Your goal is to mature. As a believer, I'm trying to get you to see, oh, men and women, salvation is just the first step in something much bigger than you and I can ever imagine. Salvation is just the first step. You've got to be discipled. You've got to be poured into. You've got to mature and grow from that point on. And so we're trying to say that God thought this up in eternity past. He thought it up in eternity past, trying to help you to understand that when Adam and Eve sinned, God didn't say, whoops, where'd that come from? Gee, I'm not really sure. Boy, this has really ruined things. Uh, man, we got to do something. I, I guess uh, we got to make a payment for their sin. They can't do it. We're perfect and holy. So what are we going to do? Anybody got any ideas? Uh, Hey, Jesus, how about you? How would you like to go down there and live a perfect life and, and die for them? Uh, and that'll be the payment for their sin. And then we can have a relationship. What do you think of that, Jesus? Didn't happen. God never says, whoops. He doesn't say that. How do we know that? Very simple. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 18 to 20, we read these words. For you know it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world. He was chosen before the creation of the world. In other words, in eternity past, God foresaw that Christ was going to die for the sins of humanity. He is not like Indiana Jones making this up as he goes along. Men and women, God has a plan. God has a dream. He is living out that plan. He is living out that dream. And for all of eternity future, he said, I want my son to rule and reign over the universe with his bride. With his bride. To have an intimate union of a husband and a wife forever, that we can have this intimacy with them. Well, that ends our lecture on the idea of when did God make this up. In our next time together, we're going to ask a very simple question. Is this something new for God? Is this new for God to think of co-ruling and co-reigning? With a bride for all of eternity. I mean, isn't he operating by himself now? Why would he stoop to do something like that? I think you're going to be astounded with what you learn in our next time together. Well, once again, welcome to maturing the bride.